Hi everyone, Emily here. I'm so excited to talk about our partnership with Descrits. Descrits is truly the insider's guide to the ARE. Made by two young architects who recently passed their exams, the book breaks down all six exams into topic outlines and reading lists with specific pages to study from outside resources. For me, the hardest part of the ARE was figuring out what to study. I've used Descrits personally as a study guide for my last four exams and couldn't recommend it enough. It's easy to follow, graphically pleasing, which is very important to us design people, and it's very thorough, not vague at all. My personal favorite are the Descrits study sheets that cover objectives of each test in a super manageable way. The sheets only cover key topics, so you don't have to worry about sifting through any excess fluff. If you're interested, go to Descrits.com and use code OPP15 for 15% off. Happy studying! Hey everyone! Hey everyone, I'm Emily. And I'm Maria, and this is the Open Plan Podcast. We're excited to have you here. Join us in navigating life and architecture as young professionals tackling career, education, social lives, and everything in between. Keep up with us on Instagram at Open Plan Podcast. So now let's get into it. Hey guys, welcome back to Open Plan Podcast. Hello, everyone. I am so glad to be back. I feel like it's been three years since I've recorded. <laughs> Maria's back. Woo-hoo. Yeah, went across the world, came back. Um, I'm very happy to be back. Um, I'm happy to have you back. Like, it was really hard to record a solo episode without Oh, I thought you were going to say it was really hard to be without you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, too. That, too. Um, yeah. Obviously, being without you and then being without you in an episode is crazy because I'm like pausing, like, what do you think, Maria? And like, no one's there. <laughs> it's so hard to carry it on your own. Like, yeah. I love our duo uh, situation. Yeah, it's I don't easier. think we would have ever started podcasts by ourselves. <laughs> I don't have enough to say alone <laughs> to fill up an entire episode. <laughs> you gotta catch your breath. That's, yeah. I bet that's that was hard. Thank you for holding <laughs> down the fort. Oh, yes, yes. No worries. But hey, everyone. Um, we're so glad to be back. And we're going to do a little catch up as always. And if you're not interested, that's fine. We're not offended. <laughs> <laughs> you could skip ahead to the content of the episode. And we'll have timestamps in our description. So you can skip ahead. But for those who are interested, Maria, what have you been up to? Well, I went to Brazil for two weeks. Uh, I hadn't been home since 2019. So this was a long time coming. I was really, really excited. And it was one of the first times that I took a trip where I didn't really plan anything. It was more like, I just want to go and live there for two weeks and like just do whatever I feel like. Be a local. Yeah. Um, And it's different. It's not like a trip, like a touristy trip. It's like I'm going home, staying with my mom and like seeing my family. So it's it's a little different, but it was really nice. We just kind of we actually worked remotely from there for a few days um, so that we could stay longer. And we went to the park for walks. We walked around the city. We went to a bunch of restaurants. Um, my mom had all the, all the intel of where was cool to go and like, <laughs> where was the good food and the drinks, um, and the museum. So there's still so much that we wanted to do that we didn't have time for because Sao Paulo is massive. Yeah. Um, but we did a lot of things and we were able to do a lot of wedding planning things. Yeah. So yes. 
we actually saw our venue for the first time in person, which was wild Um, because we had to choose that virtually, essentially. Um, My mom was able to visit when we were away, Mm -hmm. but um, so yeah, we, we, I've been paying the venue and I don't even know if it's cute. <laughs> luckily but, worked out. Luckily, right? yes. <laughs> we can, can't confirm it was the right choice. Nice. Um, yeah, it's beautiful. We were able to see the venue. We were able to, um, do the catering tasting, the drinks tasting, the yeah. wine tasting. <laughs> I mean, you were saying that you had like no agenda, but low key, I feel like you guys were packed with wedding yeah, we, the only thing we had planned was the wedding because I just told our planner a lot that we to were do. going for those dates and she just scheduled a bunch of stuff. So Fun um, stuff, though. Yeah, so. yeah. No, it was fun. Um, and what else did we do? We saw the invitations and mm. yeah, I think that was it. So And then I got to see my grandparents, my brother, and yeah, it was a great time. <clears throat> I came back with this little little cough that won't go away. So me and Emily are sounding a little rough this morning. Yeah, we were gonna just apologize to you guys <laughs> if you if we sound a little bit more nasally than normal. We both tested negative for COVID, but we definitely yeah. picked up some traveling the fall terms. season. Yeah, season changing. Vibes. So apologies yeah. if you hear a cough <laughs> now and again. Um, but yeah, so yeah, one of the the two main highlights I will say of this trip was that I was able to actually spend my birthday there, which was super Aww. fun. I have not spent my birthday with my mom in a really long time. Um, and for my birthday only, Taylor Swift re- released a new album. So <laughs> it was for Maria. It was two days after my birthday, so I think it has to be my gift. Taylor was like, "Happy birthday, Maria! <laughs> my gift to you." So that was fun because I was able to just like. I was, you know, on vacation, just listening to new Taylor Swift music, and I was living my to best your life. favorite artist. Yeah, and she's now she's going on tour. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, now she's going on tour, so <gasps> we might reunite over this tour. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, we both like the perfect reason to fly to Philly or to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll take either one. We or both, <laughs> or both. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Highly encourage that. Oh man, yeah i I really like her new album. It's I think I had to listen to it a couple times, and now I'm like, okay, it gets yeah. it's more and more addicting. And certain songs, like I keep listening to over and over. Yeah, it's always like that. The first listen, I'm like, oh, wait, this is this is weird. You know, like I don't know if I like this. <laughs> yeah, so but true. then every listen, you're like, oh wait, that song's like kind of nice. And now, now I like this song better. Now I like this one. And then you get your favorites, and then you just keep it going. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Wow, what, what a about- time! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what about you, Emily? You've been doing some traveling yourself. Yeah, I just came back from from Fort Lauderdale last weekend. One of my best friends from college moved there um, and has a condo with her husband a couple blocks from the beach, which is so nice. Like walking distance from the beach, we were able to go like whenever we wanted. And I'm like, dang, I can't believe this is your life. (laughs) Like You got (laughs) to just come here on weekdays. And it was a very like quiet beach, like not super crowded um and fort lauderdale that was my first time there and it was really cute and um some really interesting architecture i must say Um, some like spanish style houses modern houses 
these like mansions lining the beach were mm-hmm. insane, of course. Um, but yeah, I had a really good time doing that. And then besides that, I've just been teaching and uh, we have one month left of the semester, which is crazy. Um, yeah, so wild. students are doing their final project and actually designing a building. Up till now, it's been like pretty abstract and they're freshmen, so it's going to be like that. Yeah. But, um, so they're learning structure and skin and it's been a lot, topography. <laughs> but I'm excited to see their final projects. And I've been sharing like a little bit of it on Instagram, but I think I'll continue to do like a recap, like project by project. And then maybe we'll do yeah. like an episode on it and like what yeah, I've learned from teaching. Because mm-hmm. it's been a lot and a lot of things I didn't expect for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll get Are to you that thinking- another time. <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot, but are you thinking of doing it again? I would do it again. I am not doing it next semester. So they asked if I wanted to do spring. And I was like, I need a break. Like, yeah. <laughs> I just feel like I've been go, go, go. Like, literally passed my exams and then immediately started teaching. So I just feel like I've never had, like, just my job to focus on. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm excited to do that. But I would consider returning in the fall for sure. Um, cool. I, think I like teaching in the fall. Like, that's a vibe. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like once a once a year, like, like wrap up and just the season and like, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty much all that's been going on with me. And we could probably just dive right into our episode, which is all about salary negotiation, hot topic. Juicy. We got a lot of requests on. So, <laughs> yes, so we've been meaning to do this for a while, but we wanted to do it justice, as we are not experts. But um, this is just a lot of tips and advice that we've come up with based on our personal experience and advice that we got from actual experts and like people yeah. that we look up to, mentors, and um, even people from different industries. So I think it's when it comes to salary negotiations, kind of like it, it's all based on your situation. It's not like one size fits all. Not at all. Mm-hmm. But um, I think there's a lot of cross disciplinary things that we can learn from other industries that are a little bit more um, aggressive about <laughs> knowing their worth, you know, Which aside from would like yeah. to learn from. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So we're going to really dive into it. We've really uh, thought hard about this episode and have it pretty formatted. So <laughs> let's get into it. All right. So today we're talking about salary negotiation. Um, It's not easy and it can be uncomfortable if you're new to it. Um, We used to feel the same way. With practice, you can gain confidence in yourself and not be afraid. So this episode is more about adjusting your mindset rather than a how-to. Like we said before, there's no like one size fits all for for techniques on negotiating and just different situations require different you know strategies and we're not experts but this is all based on our experiences and our advice that we got from uh, mentors and and people in other industries we're gonna cover kind of a new job negotiation uh, scenario here but um, we'll talk about promotions stuff uh, towards the end of the episode so stick around for that So we're going to start with new job negotiation. And 
Something that people don't realize is that your mindset negotiating starts even before you receive an offer. So it's basically like as you're job searching, you have to kind of adapt a new mindset that we're not often taught as architects. And um, in general, I think, you know, women, me and Maria have talked about as well, aren't always as confident in this. So try to establish the psychology of your job search early. And by that, we mean that often people are intimidated to negotiate because they think it makes them seem ungrateful for the offer. Um, And that's something that people have asked us about on our podcast all the time. Like they're like, I just don't feel comfortable doing it. And in reality, it's actually expected by the employer. And it shows that you actually can advocate for yourself. And when they're offering you a certain amount, they actually expect you to combat it and they expect to do a little back and forth. Um, And if you adapt this attitude that you're going to probably be negotiating like early on, um, it helps you out in the long run. Um, And it also doesn't put you in a hole of offering, I mean, or I'm sorry, um, accepting your your job immediately and your salary immediately um, because that could be an easy trigger to pull where you're like, yes, like immediately, yes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But um, if you kind of keep in mind that you should view yourself and your employer as equals, and understand that this isn't like a combative like uh, thing. It's just a part of the job and honestly very objective rather than subjective. And um, while they're offering you money and benefits, you're offering your work. So you should see it that you're valuable and you have the right to negotiate. Yeah. And don't be afraid to negotiate because they – the worst thing that can happen is they're going to say, no, we can't do that. We have to maintain the initial offer. They're not going to pull back the offer just because you tried to negotiate. Um, and this is hard to do sometimes if you're in a scenario where like I've been in a scenario where I was negotiating like on the spot, face to face with like no time to think and process. <laughs> so um, sometimes that will be well, we can get into that later. But um Anyway, so don't be afraid that they're going to take away the offer um, because that would be a huge red flag if they would they, if they did that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I think if they did even threaten that, which we will 99% of the time, they're not going to do that. Um, you should probably look somewhere else because mm-hmm. then you're going to have problems in the future when you try to get promoted and try to advocate for yourself. So I think how they deal with the negotiation is actually kind of a window into mm-hmm what it's going to be like to work for them. Right. And with that, we advise that you apply to as many jobs as possible in the same window of time. So when you get the offers, they're all around the same time and you're able to make an educated decision based on everything that you have in front of you. So if you're, you know, out of school and you're in the job hunting process, Uh, that's a great time to do that, um, to kind of try to align everything together and absolutely ask for more time from one or the other if you need it. it. And it's totally normal to say, hey, um, I need more time because I have this other offer that I'm considering and I want to make an educated decision. I've said that multiple times. Mm -hmm. It's totally normal. (laughs) Yeah. And it's normal to ask for that time. And I think kind of ties back to when Maria was asked to negotiate on the spot. Um, You could always say, like, I don't know right now and I'm going to get back to you. So you have time Mm -hmm. to think about it. Mm -hmm. Um, 
another thing to consider pre um pre like job offer pre searching you're still searching for jobs is always have your um salary expectation ready um so bef- way before they even ask you what salary you want, which is a common question um, during the interview process, you should have a number in mind. So you're not like thinking on the spot, which I've been there, I think like early on in my career where I'm like, wow, I didn't even think about what salary I want. I don't know. (laughs) And it's better, uh, uh, better equipped for you to kind of think about what works for you. So that's actually kind of a hard question we've also received. Like people don't know what to even expect or what's normal for their Mm -hmm. range. Um, so we have a couple of resources, the number one being the AIA calculator. Um, and the nice thing about the calculator is it's actually broken up um, by region. So it kind of like uh, accounts for your cost of living based on where you are. Um, also, like so many different levels based on years and whether you're licensed, non-licensed. So we'll link that in the show notes. Um, and one thing Maria and I were talking about actually like right before we recorded is that it's a baseline and not the end all be all. Um, we we think that if you're doing other responsibilities, for example, like marketing in Maria's case, or if you're also a project manager, like you should uh, consider this as a base and then add on mm-hmm. your other responsibilities. So, yeah, it's not a, a one size fits all um, kind of num- number range because it is for a very specific kind of role and it does describe the role pretty pretty well like how many years of experience and what you're you're doing in that position um but we know that depending on the size of the firm and and just the way the day-to-day of your job um you might not fit that description perfectly maybe you're doing like emily said project manager stuff or you're doing marketing or you're like actually designing projects but you're three years out of school so it, it can be very like limiting in one sense like if your employer is using, using that as like a cap um, that's not a great way to use it but as an employee looking for jobs um, it's a great way to just get a sense of where you should be um, so that you make sure that you're not being entirely underpaid mm-hmm. um because that's a huge problem in our industry especially for young uh young professionals internships and stuff like that um it's a great starting point but once you're preparing for the interview and you know listing out all the reasons you're valuable <laughs> mm-hmm. um take that into consideration and and you can add to that number if you feel like it's too low (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah for sure it's just a a nice point of reference for sure Mm -hmm. um another thing you can look at is glassdoor so glassdoor uh usually depending on the size of your firm so this might not be for you know small firms might not be on there but if you're a medium to large size firm there's usually um salary information on there by the firm so you really see what um by job description what a firm will typically pay for it So you kind of get a window into what people already working there are making. So you honestly might be able to write off like, you know, this firm isn't on average paying enough for what I'm looking for. And it kind of alerts you to when you're, you know, whether you should even apply or not, because you have to be honest with yourself. Like Mm -hmm. if you're going to not be you know, satisfied with the salary and you know that early on, it's just probably not worth pursuing. Um, yeah. And sometimes there's even, you know, reviews or mm-hmm. or whatever comments uh, about 
the firm and negotiating at that firm. I've read that before where it's like, oh, I recently applied there and I was able to negotiate or I recently applied there and they were not budging on the salary. So I said no or whatever. There's always some sort of insight that you can get from that. But again, it's it's a it's more resourceful for larger firms. For sure. Yeah. I really like that you said to read the reviews because they'll also talk about what like promotion is like in the firm as well mm-hmm. um, and whether that people are actually being promoted or yeah. yeah. Glassdoor is a great window. <laughs> Glass. <laughs> um, next we have uh, to talk to your peers and, you know, talking salary and, uh, you know, how much you're being paid is uncomfortable and something that, you know, you know, among your friends, we actually don't typically do that often. Um, so, I don't know. I think it's a mindset shift Mindset shift to be like, are we all being compensated enough? And like, we're all mm-hmm. looking out for each other. And a lot of the times you're like, wow, I didn't know you were making that. And we're the same mm-hmm. level, you know? Right. So it, I think the the more like less, I don't know how to explain it, like less uh, scary we make the subject, I guess, Yeah. of money and salary. More transparency. More transparency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the easier it'll get to make sure we're all being compensated fairly. Yeah, and we're seeing that happen, especially like uh, a lot of job offers now have, you know, some sort of salary range or expectation on there. And a lot of people are advocating for that. And I think our industry is moving towards that direction, but it's still very like a, a secretive situation <laughs> in terms of salary. So I think that when we're out of school, it was – in one way, I feel like we were talking about it more because we're all getting offers. And if you, mm-hmm. you know, with our close friends, we're like, you know, telling each other what we were offered and talking about it and getting uh, advice. But it's also like a very competitive thing. Like, oh, you got offered this. We're like, I'm not applying there then. Or I'm, I got the same offer from the same company, but I got like way more money. So it's just like, just make sure you're tra- talking to people that you trust and, um, yeah. you know. And I think that this is something that might get harder as we progress in our careers. Like we're still recently out of school, so we still talk about it. I mean, me and Emily are really close and we love talking about this stuff. But um, I think that as we progress and our careers kind of take their own path, it's it's even harder to kind of find people that are the same, you know, as you, like that mm-hmm. are doing the same thing and the same level and you guys should should be in the same kind of bracket Mm -hmm. um i think it probably just gets harder and harder as people get more specific with their careers but um it's definitely a great way to come up with your ideal number when you're negotiating yeah totally um and then finally just be honest with yourself of what you need to survive and of course adding in wiggle room to that because of course you want to be able to pay your bills at a minimum but (laughs) there's also all the other things like you want to be able to afford you know fun things like the weekend stuff the travel like you really need to be honest your house or your other goals yeah yeah exactly so all the subscriptions you have like i mean it's just um really try to like, I think we might have done this exercise actually at Kramer's class, Maria, where you mm-hmm. really like wrote out, oh my gosh, like how much is my actual yeah. cost of if living? You, <laughs> if you haven't done that, you're going to be, you're in for a ride. 
Because I do that constantly to just, you know, adjust my savings and all that stuff. But if if you have not done that exercise yet of actually adding up everything that you spend in a month, mm-hmm. uh, we highly encourage you to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And you really see like, what do I need to make to maintain the lifestyle I want? You know, like mm-hmm. do – is it helping me towards my goals? Is it helping me – be happy and comfortable in the activities I'm doing. So yeah. Um, and it's also like just on the side, this is a little bit out of topic, but it's also a measure of, okay, does that the your ideal number to survive and live your life the way you're living it not really matching up to what your position is is paid right. according to the calculator and your friends and Glassdoor? Um, then it like it might be a reality check of like are you living a lifestyle that it, you can't afford to or are you within like where you're at professionally and all that stuff because that can be an adjustment coming out of school mm-hmm. um, I think because people have all different kinds of setups in school maybe your parents are helping you through it maybe not maybe you have loans like all kinds of stuff could be happening so I think as you come out of school that's like a huge thing to take reality check yeah yeah Yeah, I think if to set yourself up for for a successful career and not have any financial stress that's a really good thing to do um coming out of school yeah yeah and you know we'll talk about this as we get into like the the later part in the next part which is what to do when you talk to your employer but that's something that you can also be transparent with your employer like you know I have to pay for this and this and this, like maybe like ARE study materials or things mm-hmm. you're comfortable telling them. And like, that is why the salary is so important to me. So anyways. Yeah. Okay. Right. So now it's time to talk to someone. <laughs> You've established your mindset. You're a yes. badass. <laughs> you're ready. You know your worth. You know your number. Um, so you've been probably applying to multiple jobs. You have an interview. Um, and sometimes in the interview itself, they might ask you uh, what your salary expectation is. Um, and that's when you need to avoid <laughs> saying a number first. Um, this is where you can fall into kind of a be pigeonholed into kind of a bracket that they won't go above. Mm-hmm. Um, if you say a number that they're like, it was on their low range, they're going to be like, great, we can give you that. Perfect. Um, (laughs) So that's, you don't want to run that risk. And because after that, it's really hard to ask for more. So true. Once you say that number and it's out there, it's Mm -hmm. hard to kind of take it back. So for sure. Yeah. So when you're, when they ask you that question, the best way to respond is to either ask more about the role if they haven't talked about that yet exactly the responsibilities of day-to-day, what you're actually going to be doing, blah, blah, blah. Or you can also ask what's the typical range for that position. Um, If they give you a number, which I've had both happen where they they go around it again or they'll tell you a number. Um, And once they give you that number, you should aim for the top of that range um, because – that's kind of where they're willing to go and they wouldn't say a number that they wouldn't settle for. Mm -hmm. Um, So with all the reasons why you're valuable, you back that up and you go for the higher range. 
Um, and if they still press you to give a number, they don't give you a range or anything. Um, you need to have that number, which we just talked about. Um, and maybe like go a little higher than what you actually want. Um, so that they match you where you actually want it to be. So if you really, what you want and need is 65 K ask for 68, ask for 70, see what happens. (laughs) And they're going to meet you lower for sure. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's very rare that they'll just give you what you actually are asking for because most people ask for a little bit more. Yeah. Because everybody knows you're going to settle on something a little bit lower. Yeah. It's always easier to start at the top and then have them negotiate down um, yeah. rather than the other way. <laughs> um, so better to start bigger. Um, yeah. That was that's really good advice. Um it's a very stressful situation to be asked a number and then kind yes. of combat it a little bit and be like, well, what's your range? And But that has literally been a game changer question for Maria and I, I think, because mm-hmm. then they give the number and you know what you have to work with rather than you don't really know if your number is like the number you're coming up with, I guess, there's it's a likelier chance that I don't know. It might not be falling into their range at all or I don't know. It just helps to know what their range is. So, mm-hmm. um, All right. So still talking about um, strategies for when you're in contact with your employer. We always prefer email contact. Um, and as we all know, like it's just easier to draft your thoughts, get your uh, get your number typed out, your reasoning typed out rather than uh, like just having to say it verbally, like we all just get nervous and you know word vomit. Yeah. Like, and it it also like depends on the other person too. If they're a really good talker and really mm-hmm. good negotiator themselves, they're negotiating against you even right. though they want you. So it's like if you, <laughs> I've been in the situation where the other person on the other side was like extremely good at negotiating, getting what they wanted. So it was so hard for me to like be in that position and get an advocate for myself right like and ask for what i needed mm-hmm. because i was like starting to believe what they were telling me mm-hmm. because they were so good at kind of manipulating the conversation um but uh, another good thing about email is that you have a track record um so you can actually just go back and forth and you're you're saying you know you have it written there what they promise you or what you were asking for them and um yeah sometimes you're doing email contact and they'll call you to like kind of just talk through it and it's not necessarily a bad thing um it's just like hey like okay you want this but like what if we you know do a signing bonus or what would that, you know, make it for you? (laughs) Or like, Mm -hmm. what if we give you like more vacation days or like, that's something that you can also ask for. So, but email is always better um, if possible. Yes. In the ideal world, you're getting everything written down and uh, you know, on record, I guess. So that isn't the nice thing about emails, Maria said, but you know, in the case they do call you, it always helps to practice your delivery. So imagine, yes, write down some notes, write down your number, write down, um, you know, what you're looking for if it's not in the salary. And we'll get into that, like things like as Maria touched on, like the benefits could replace it, the vacation days. Um, So 
I remember when I was interviewing, like, Ashcon would pretend to be the employer, and he would, like, call me, and I would have to, like, respond to him, and it literally took, rep- like, repetition over and over for me not to sound so, like, shaky and, like, terrified. <laughs> I don't know, maybe, yeah. if you want to. Yeah, and it, it yeah. really does come with practice, so don't feel, you know, like, silly for for speaking it out loud. It really helps. Yeah. So when you're talking to someone about their offer negotiating or asking for more time, be transparent about other offers that you may have um, and the value. So if you're trying to get a lower offer to match the other offer, you have to tell them. You have to tell them, hey, I got another offer and it was for whatever, 68, 70. Mm -hmm. Can we get there? Um, That's the only, you know, and and if, if that's your top choice, you could say like that's the only thing, and if we can match it, I'll accept because I'd rather go over there, you know, like if you'd rather go to the one that had the lower offer, yeah. Um, so things like that, um, and and you can tell them deadlines, so like, or you can have internal deadlines so that you have time to think about it. That's what I did, um, one time where. You know, I asked for more time and I said, please get back to me on if you can match or not, whatever, by this date so that I have like at least one day to think about this. Yeah, some buffer room between it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The, the but it's more... A, no, go ahead. It's a ballet. It's, it's like yes. back and forth and you're just Dance. balancing all these things. It's And, and if you're actually like working <laughs> oh, and you're looking for a different job, it's a lot. So it's sure. it, you have to just kind of drop everything and deal with it because it's on everyone else's high high priority list when they're hiring. Um, so, you know, they're hiring managers or whoever it is. Mm-hmm. They're like refreshing their email to make sure that you sign the offer or once they have an offer out, they're like yeah. Hawkeye on you. For sure. And like exactly like what we were saying earlier, it's like as far as deadlines, if you really want to hear back from this firm that you liked a lot, but they just haven't gotten back to you and you, you get an offer somewhere else, you can tell them like, look, I just got an offer from another place. I really liked you guys. Um, So I just need to know whether we're moving forward or how we're moving forward because this is my deadline for this other place. That's a great, that's a great point because sometimes you, you don't have two offers at the same time. Yeah. You get one and then you're talking to another firm and you have to tell them, Hey, I just got an offer, but I don't want to take it without knowing if you're going to give me an offer. <laughs> right. It adds right. way more urgency. All of a sudden, they're like, oh, because they might have been like, oh, we'll get back to her. We did like her a lot. But now right. they realize, oh, no, she's a hot commodity and um, there's other firms that want her. So we need to get yeah. our act together and get our offer in as well. So um, it's just best yeah. to be transparent about it. Like, just let them know. I have other offers. You're being honest. And um, as Maria mentioned, if it's the salary that's stopping you from taking your number one firm, you know, just let them know that that is what's stopping you and Mm -hmm. they might be willing to work with you on that. So, all right. So now we're going to talk about things to do once the offer has been made. Um, So post offer negotiation, you have it in your inbox, you see the number. Um, What next? (laughs) Um, So, Number you might one. be like, yes, wait, like they met me where I wanted. Best case scenario, we want this for you. That would yeah. be great. If like the first time, you know, it's probably rare. The first time you get your number, you're like, I'm done signing it. That's exactly what I wanted. 
<laughs> yeah. Which, you know, is great in that case and easy. Um, but if it's not what you're expecting, you can do a bit of a back and forth after the after you receive the um, offer. So you can be like, I was expecting more of this range of number. Is the number you gave me flexible? Um, and that's kind of the very first question you ask. Um, Mm -hmm. and a lot of times they'll say, no, it's not flexible. You know, like, I'm sorry, like this is our cap. Um, a lot of times they might be like, you know, it is a little bit like, what are you thinking? You know, like Mm -hmm. we might have a little bit of flex room to give you a little bit more. Um, and then if they are not flexible, you should consider alternatives to what, um, would want you to, you would want for this offer, I guess, to make you take it. So, um, as we mentioned earlier, alternatives to salary could be, you know, benefits, more vacation days, more flexibility. Like, are they letting you work from home more so than mm-hmm. other places? And yeah. overtime is also another thing. Overtime. Um, yeah. Coming out of school, especially sometimes firms will offer overtime mm-hmm. uh, pay, like one one and a half per hour. Yeah. Um and that's a, that can add up, especially if you're working for a firm that does a lot of overtime. For sure, um, we don't we don't advocate for this kind of stuff, but um, it is common, and especially for for younger uh, professionals. And I do know that a lot of bigger firms do offer overtime for like the first two or three uh, levels um, mm-hmm. in the in the ladder in the corporate ladder. Um, because they they're the ones actually doing all the production and their salaries might be lower. So yeah, or if that's be something hourly. That's, yeah, yeah, right. If that's something that's offered for you, um, it's also something that you should take into consideration when you're negotiating, mm-hmm. like before you even um, ask for more money. Um, make sure you're you understand everything that they're offering you. Um, because I've also been in a situation where when I tried to negotiate, they were like. Yeah, we'll think about it, but like, this is what we're offering you. Just to be clear, yeah, <laughs> you're getting overtime, you're getting a signing bonus. Like, this is all the things. Um, so make sure you really understand the offer. Read through the benefits. Um, they should send you the benefits before you accept the offer. That's typically how it works. So you can read through that. Yeah. Um, and just kind of, it's a very. There's a lot that you are balancing and considering. So make sure you get a full picture of it. Right. Like it's crazy that outside of salary, the company could be offering you so much more. They mm-hmm. could be offering you 401k. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, or uh, yeah, 401k, they could be adding an additional week to your vacation. Is that more worth it to you than, you know, if they can't meet you on your salary, but you'll take the vacation days. And uh, what if they pay for your gym membership? Like there's like so many other things that, um, you can consider when, when it's mm-hmm. next to salary. Um, and going back kind of to the overtime thing, that kind of reminded me that I think a very fair question to ask even during the interview process is how often do people at your firm work overtime? overtime? Yeah. So you have an expectation of that. Um, and if it's something that's like, you know, yeah, it's, you know, whenever there's a deadline, it's common, like we will have those times. And then you could ask, like, do people get paid for this overtime? You know, mm-hmm. so... Uh, I think having that mindset early and then not being shocked when you're like in your job and you're like, wow, I'm working a lot of overtime and I just realized we don't get paid for it. So yeah. um, it's 
very fair, I think, to ask about work-life balance and um, whether you're willing to even, you know, if that might not be one of your values, like you don't want to work overtime. And if it's mm-hmm. a firm that is kind of notorious for that, for some people that's fine because it means extra money and that's totally fine. But, you know, just kind of comes down to what you want. So, Yep. Um, so handling two offers or more at the same time, we've kind of, uh, talked about this already, but, um, consider the pros and cons, make a list if you have to, I've done it. It's fine. (laughs) There's no other Um, way you have to. Yeah. (laughs) You have to do like apples to apples. You're like, okay, base salary. Would I, you know, is the health benefits out of pocket? How much do they, do they cost? And so at the end of the day, how much are you taking home? everything i even had like a tax like estimate that was going to take be taken out and like everything so i'd be like okay what's coming into my account Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so uh that's when you when you have all the numbers um and maybe this is even after they've responded to your negotiation um questions and they're like this is as high as we're going this is our best offer there's nothing else we can do and you're like okay now i can compare apples to apples yeah this person um, offers this many vacation days. This person offers this many. And it really helps to just visually see that. Yeah. And, and it's about like yeah. what you value. It's mm-hmm. really hard um, to do that when you have two firms that you really like. Yeah. But are very different. Um, so true. So it's, yeah. It's like, okay, do I value actual cash in my account? Or do I want more flexibility, more vacation? Or is it the culture that really mm-hmm. the salary doesn't really matter because this culture was way better than the other one? Like yeah. it's it could be anything. Right. Uh, so it's very specific to your case. Mm-hmm. Like how much do you want to learn on the job? Like this company, you know, yeah. this Where are you at with your career? small and yeah. big. Yeah. So true. Wow. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> it's hard. I know. And, um, and remember it's to always – It's still hard. Yeah. yeah. For us. It's not like we're experts and like we can do this with our – like eyes closed, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's just a lot of advice that we've compiled. Yeah. It's something that we're definitely passionate about talking about more. Like I yeah. love talking about this stuff. Like it's so mm-hmm. interesting to, to learn the psychology of it. And I think there's a huge gap in architects even accessing yeah. this knowledge because it's something that honestly people in business school are told like day one. Um, yeah. We don't talk about this in architecture school. Yeah. But we're here <sighs> to change that, guys. <laughs> We're trying. Making waves. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, we talked about kind of negotiating two offers at the same time. Definitely establish a deadline where you um, have to, you know, give your decision pretty much. And it could be an internal deadline, as Maria said, that you have some buffer room between the two. Um, so, yeah. And finally, this is you know, definitely like it sounds obvious, but it can be lost is to get everything in writing. So if you get an offer and it's over the phone, like they might call you, you know, first and be like, congratulations, like that's totally normal. Um, And they verbally tell you your offer. But, you know, make sure that you're also getting everything in writing. So Mm -hmm. you are getting your number in writing, your benefits in writing, like you might be promised things verbally, which is fine. But make sure there is like a hard copy of that somewhere. <laughs> so yeah, especially if like you're negotiating, and they call you and they're like, oh yeah, we can do like, you know, 2K more. Yep. But your original uh, offer still says the low number and you're like, I need an updated offer. You know, you need 100%. to have everything in writing. 
Um, and then just a note on just more practical uh, aspect that it could be very different negotiating with a large firm versus a small firm. Um, a large firm, you might be talking to the HR person. Um, there might be more than one interview and all these different steps and different people you might have to talk to. Um, and it might be a more formal negotiation experience mm -hmm. where you actually are emailing back and forth and you're listing, you know, all the reasons why you think you deserve more than they're offering. Um, and it might be tied to, you know, the role and your responsibilities and things like that. So like, for example, I had a situation once where I was stepping into a role that actually had a I was stepping into a role where I was a manager and I was supposed to have a second person. Um, but at the time when I got hired, they didn't have that person. So I was going to be doing the job of two people until we hired someone new. Um, so that's something that I used um, when I was negotiating because I was saying, you know, at least for, <laughs> I don't know when you're planning to hire someone and they had no plans. So if they, if they didn't give me a date where they were going to hire someone to help me, I was assuming I was going to do both jobs mm -hmm. the entire time. So that was pretty effective in asking for a little bit more money because my responsibilities and my hours and everything would be greater. For sure. Um, so that's just, you know, a specific example, but it's just one of those things. But in a large firm, you're going to be spelling those things out and um, it's going to be more formal. Yeah. There's always a middleman in a large firm. So you're not like talking, you're not negotiating more often than not with your manager that you'd work with day to day, right? So mm -hmm. um, you are actually work, you're negotiating with an HR person, which honestly is less intimidating, right? Like you could really spell out what you want with them and be very transparent with them, as Maria said, because in the end, they're an HR recruiter. This is what they do. Um, mm -hmm. And when you ask for more, you're actually making their job easier by spelling out how your qualifications are hitting or exceeding the job details. Um, mm -hmm. And then they're then going to take this information and present it to your manager, or, like the team right. you're working with. And this actually happened they, with me at WSP. So yeah, they have to go and like talk to someone else about it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of like they're, I don't know internally if they actually are kind of neutral or if they help you. <laughs> Yeah. I'd be curious to know like if they're like going back to the manager or the financial people and being like hey she asked for this much I really think we should do it <laughs> right yeah I kind of got a vibe that they were like trying to help you because yeah. when when you know at least in my experience they were very like congratulatory at the end like yeah you know mm -hmm. they, they like they said that's good like you're in <laughs> like you know yeah. what I mean like they don't have like a stake in they don't like, have they a, don't, yeah you right. know they just want you they want you and to come to the firm. That's all. Their job is to find good people. And I think once they find good people, mm -hmm. they're like willing to advocate for you to – if they believe in you and they trust you, they're like, okay, I think it's yeah. easier to make the offer work than to go find someone completely new. For you sure. know, And like they're going to see your communication style through this negotiating and like that already like presents a level yeah. of maturity that I think they're like, whoa, like – this person knows what they want. Like, I think this is like, honestly, leadership potential, like vibes, yeah. you know? So like, mm -hmm. um, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then in a small firm, it, you might be talking to the owner of the firm. Uh, mm -hmm. it, like it, it's a much more intimate and 
um, direct, I think, situation. You might be talking on the phone and that person's probably very familiar with the financials. And honestly, I think small firms might all be more willing to kind of cater it to you Mm -hmm. um, because they don't have such a structured, you know, a lot of big firms will have caps for different positions and they try to keep everybody in a fair wage. So like no one's really making a lot more than other people. So that's why they have these caps. Uh, So it's kind of hard to negotiate if you're at the, at the top of that range, but in a smaller firm, it might be a little bit more flexible. Yeah. Sure. Well, definitely more intimate and personable probably. All right. So that pretty much covers a, a new job situation. Um, we wanted to talk a little bit about asking for motion, negotiating uh, with a firm that you've been at for a while. Um, this can be hard because you're like your day to day with these people. So if you're in a small firm, um, you're like going to see them tomorrow. <laughs> so it's not like you're emailing, you know, an HR. You're not starting but... fresh. You're not. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like you've been here. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think in between this, um, these two topics, it's also good to point out that like when you're starting at a new firm, that's the number you're going to build upon. So that's why it's important to when you're getting a new job to go as high as you can and as you deserve and as much as you're worth. Um, because everything from there, every promotion or adjustment is going to be based on that initial number. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you don't get as high as you can there, you're kind of leaving money on the table. For sure. So yeah, so as far as um, how to ask for a promotion at a firm you've been with for a while and with a promotion, I'm assuming you'd want to raise. Um, the best way to do this is to look up what the responsibilities of the role above you and see if it is explicit anywhere. So, for example, like finding a job description, listing the responsibilities of this position above you. And you could find this on an internal company website or, you know, on honestly like a job posting your company has put up recently. And if you're able to look at that job description that's above you and, you know, mentally check off, like I'm doing this, I'm doing this, like, you know, like mm-hmm. I am performing above what I, what my job description, what I was originally hired for. And that's totally normal. Like, you know, you, maybe you've been at this firm for two years and they're just trusting you more and more. You're, naturally accepting more responsibilities so you should be you know naturally promoted for that or like you know compensated for the more work you do so if you have like a like a explicit description you can point to you could actually take this to your manager 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 and um just state look i'm kind of already doing some of these responsibilities and um I think because of that, what are the next steps in promotion? And I'm interested in being promoted and promoted. Um, and honestly, that just shows that you want to stay at the company long term. And it shows that you want to be promoted. I think that actually reflects well on you. Um, and they want you to stick around. So I think they're going to really listen to you and be like, okay, yes, you are doing all these things. Like, let me see what we could do. Um this actually happened with me because um, I was hired, you know, at a certain level for my job. And then I slowly kind of transitioned into more project management roles, um, 
which was a great like my supervisor was like you know I think you're ready to take on like a small project management job you know so I was super excited about that and I said yes <laughs> and mm-hmm. it kind of led into other project management roles and slowly like you know it just you just kind of snowballs you know you're doing things that you're like wow the guy above me and me, <laughs> and me are doing the same responsibilities so that's what at a point I think that you could just bring it up to your boss at, on a one-on-one and this is something Maria and I have talked about a lot is to have uh, concurrent or bi-weekly check-ins with your boss just to see where you're at where your head is at and that's the perfect time to bring up that hey like what are the next steps for promotion um I have been doing this and that at work and um I really think that I'm ready to be promoted to the next level so and I don't know luckily for me it went well and uh they they were like you're right (laughs) um (laughs) And I think that's something that is like a great template almost to follow is just to see, like, just to be very explicit in what you're doing and being able to compare it to the world above you. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that it's only up to us to keep track of that too. Mm -hmm. Um, As much as managers can be great, you know, managing people and mentors and stuff, it's, it's rare that they are like keeping track of you as much as you think they are. So true. Um, so I think that making sure that, you know, if you've you've been working for a year at a firm or more, um, make sure you're on track for that and you have clear steps. Even if you are not doing the next job, um, that you can pull out tasks from that list that you are aiming to do or you're already kind of doing maybe like with assistance or whatever. Um, because that can be a great place to like kind of trace your goals from. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of in that position, although my with the marketing side is kind of weird. <laughs> but um, with the architecture side, it's very much like, okay, I'm doing everything a little bit. So how, what else do I have to – what other responsibilities do I need to take on to be like self-sufficient on something? Yeah. Um, so I think that even if you're not – if you just got – into a firm or whatever, it's always a good thing to keep track of that because if you don't have like big firms will have like mentorship programs and things like that. But um, I don't know, typically they don't really work that well. So yeah, <laughs> um, it's up to you to kind of keep track of your progress and where you're going because then it only makes it easier for you to then argue for a raise or a promotion or whatever. It is. Yeah. It's always really hard. I Like, you know, we are so busy day to day with our tasks to take like a step back and really see where you're at and kind of evaluate like, am I on track for, you know, getting promoted or what I want to do, what I see myself doing. And it's really important to assess like your, your place in the firm a lot, I think. Um, Otherwise it's so easy to just, you know, take it project by project. Exactly. And then years go by and you're like, wait a second, like what's going on. And as Maria said, like your project manager, or your manager, um, of course, has your best interest, hopefully, at heart. But they have their own stuff going on. They're so busy. And honestly, like, you need to bring up a lot of stuff to them. Like, bring mm-hmm. it to their forefront of their mind. So, yeah, I think with the, um, like, self-check-ins, 
I typically just kind of think about that when I'm submitting my AXP hours, Mm -hmm. which is nice. It's like every, you know, four or five months. I'm like, okay, am I doing what I need to be doing? Yes, I have like two categories left, but that's not necessarily what I need to be doing to get, you know, growth professionally. So, but once you're licensed, I think it's even harder to kind of have kind of benchmarks. Yeah. So it's really important to do that. (laughs) Yeah. We need to do... I haven't even reflected on this, but someone had asked um, on our Instagram, like, you're licensed, so now what? And I'm like, I don't know, because it's like, you work your whole, like, Now you're taking a vacation. (laughs) There is no, there is no next goal, guys. It's just to take a nap. That's all it is. Yeah. I mean, that's also what I was going to say, too. It's like, there's only so much that you can focus on, on your professional life. So... Like for you, it was the exams. Like mm-hmm. you actually got promoted kind of in between. But um, like I feel like that's one thing. And then keeping track of where your next promotion is is like, okay, it's like parallel. But if you're focused on the exams, that's what you're focused on. Right. And, and in any way, you're going to get something from from getting licensed. You're either going to get a promotion or you're going to actually reassess where you're at and what yeah. else you need to do to get a promotion. Um but there's only so much like you can focus on, especially yeah. like just in your professional life, aside from all so your true. personal stuff. And I'm glad you mentioned like you are expecting to get something from being licensed, but that's something you should actually kind of know before you are even licensed. Like yeah. what happens when you when I get licensed? Like, is it a bonus? Is it a promotion? Like you should kind of already know. Um, and that's a very fair question to ask. Like I'm studying for my exams, like what happens upon licensure? Because mm-hmm. that looks really different by every firm, which I didn't even realize like every firm does it differently. When you're licensed to some, yeah. it's a bigger deal because you're going to be signing stuff and like, oh yeah, this is huge for us. Like I imagine for a small firm, it's like really big impact versus big firms where it's like you probably are still not going to be signing things, but you should still get like some type of bonus or but anyways, like have that in mind also or to ask that question yeah yeah that was something that people asked us on instagram like what's the pay bump when you get licensed and it's really it just depends if you get Mm -hmm. licensed two months after you leave school like (laughs) they're not gonna give you like a project architect salary (laughs) yeah um so it's really it depends because getting licensed doesn't necessarily mean that you know what you're doing Mm -hmm. no (laughs) <laughs> because you can just study and dig exams really well. Um, and you learn a lot studying, but you can just brain dump it afterwards and have like one year of experience. It, it, it could be anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a, a milestone. So I think no matter where you are at with your career and you're getting licensed, like Emily said, like before you even finish, you should be thinking about that. You should kind of know what the firm typically does and what you're going to be expecting slash asking for mm-hmm. all right guys so that was all of our tips um there's obviously so much more that we could talk about uh on this topic but we wanted to make it practical and useful and something that you guys could listen to uh again and again every time that you have the opportunity to negotiate <laughs> um but we hope that this was helpful. Let us know um, on Instagram or email us what you thought about this episode. If you have any additional questions, we'd be happy to maybe get on stories and answer more um, negotiating questions once this episode's up. Um, 
And yeah, good luck with getting what you're worth. <laughs> Get what you're worth. Get out there. <laughs> <laughs> no, Maria and I are so such huge advocates for our generation knowing their worth, especially women, um, tend to not negotiate. So we want to tell you it is okay, not just okay, encouraged. Mandatory. <laughs> Mandatory <laughs> to negotiate because you already know your male counterparts are. So mm-hmm. um, let's try to change that. And yeah. Um, ask us any extra questions. Um, you can find us at Open Plan Podcast on Instagram. You can listen to our old episodes um, on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, and we also have a website, OpenPlanPodcast.com. I haven't plugged that in a while. <laughs> um, so yeah, thanks everyone for listening. We appreciate you um, and are grateful for you guys for following along. See you guys in the next one. 